This is The Last Mile, powered by Segway Commercial. Join us as we discuss industry trends and our vision of the future of transportation. For more, be sure to check out b2b.segway.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Last Mile, a Segway podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. Make sure that you're both going to our website, segway.com, for more information about our B2B solutions and services, and also subscribing to the podcast for more Last Mile conversations. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous conversations, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're refocusing after a tumultuous year, to say the least, for the mobility industry, looking at how collaboration is going to help foster growth for the micromobility industry in 2021. From collaboration between hardware and software integrations to industry players working together to improve the industry for both said players and end users, the direction of the industry is set to be full of different synergies. So here at Segway, we're leading that collaborative spirit through our latest initiative with Joyride Alliance. And today on the podcast, we're sitting down with Segway and Joyride thought leaders to chat 2021 outlook and the partnership, as well as how the industry moves past hurdles that have been brought on by COVID. So I'm pleased to welcome our two guests, Tony Ho, VP of Global Business Development for Segway, and Vince Safani, CEO and founder of Joyride Alliance. Tony, Vince, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Daniel. Fantastic. Yeah, pleasure getting to chat with both of you. Uh, Vince, this is our first conversation, so I'm looking forward to sourcing your thoughts for the first time. And Tony, this is one of many, so it's great getting to sit back down with you again. Yeah, good to talk to you again. So let's go ahead and jump in, y'all. I want to start big picture, and we'll slowly funnel into some more specific questions. But just in both of your opinions at a high level, what were the industry's biggest hurdles in 2020? And how did you see businesses successfully overcome said hurdles within the industry? It's kind of obvious that 2020, the biggest challenge is COVID-19, right? So we, when we first started the year, um, we were actually, to be honest, panicking because it was uh, a pandemic started uh, in, in China and supply chains over there. So I think I've mentioned in the past that uh, in the very beginning, we were actually worried about a supply shock. And then later on, it turns out the pandemic is spreading around. So it became a, a demand shock instead. And, and China, on the other hand, kind of recovered a little bit quickly. And also um, in after like a two months, kind of very strict lockdown, uh, the supply chain essentially will return back to almost to its sort of normal level. Um, so in some ways, it's a, it's a huge challenge we face in the beginning, but it turned out to be um, in some ways almost like a blessing in disguise. Uh, it, so especially when you look at the micromobility industry, uh, you see people actually kind of uh, rushing into uh, the micromobility solution instead of uh, public transit, for example. Uh, so we actually, on the other hand, see some, uh, essentially the second half of the 2020, we see some uh, really crazy demand on the scooter and also on other uh, form factor uh, as well. So in some way, it, it turned out to be okay, even though it was very scary in the in the very beginning. Uh, but we kind of, uh, in some way, we had a fortunate, fortunate industry. We didn't get impact as much, but we actually benefited slightly from that. All of a sudden, our partner operators 
started telling us, hey, our city's in lockdown right now. We actually can't even run. We have to remove our vehicles off the road, take our bikes and scooters off the road. Are there any other ways that Joyride can help us? Or can you think of other business models? Joyride operators we find are pretty resilient. So many of them found really creative solutions to provide these additional services to to their communities, whether it's by offering different rides to service workers or turning their fleets into delivery fleets, that kind of thing. So COVID-19 was definitely one of the biggest challenges. I think some of the other ongoing challenges that we've seen operators face, not just in 2020, but in previous years, there's three big ones we've noticed. It's One is around the hardware. Hardware can be really challenging in terms of how many vehicles should an operator buy? These are these are questions that we get a lot. Which model of vehicle should they launch with bikes or scooters? The second biggest challenge that we've seen operators face is around insurance. So imagine you're a new operator and you want to launch 100 scooters in your city, but then you find out the insurance premium is $100,000 for 100 vehicles. And you have to pay all of that up front before your vehicles even get on the ground. The third challenge is you know, this is a new industry. These vehicles are new. The business model is new. Most people coming into it are really green. And so they don't really know how to balance, rebalance a fleet, how many people they should employ, how many times a day or a week they should be touching or providing maintenance on their vehicles, how to change the brakes on some of these vehicles. All of this is an ongoing challenge that we've seen, not just in 2020, but in previous years that hopefully through collaboration, which I think is like the theme of this podcast, we're trying to resolve with Segway. All right. I want to dig in a little bit more and get the COVID context out of the way. Obviously, COVID has been probably the biggest shaper of most trends and directions for basically every industry. So if you had to get more granular on how COVID-19 specifically played a role in any of the biggest hurdles in 2020, how do you see it impacting the micromobility space, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well? What do you imagine being the the long-term ramifications that the industry will feel for years to come and why? Uh, I have to say that the biggest contribution by COVID-19 is actually uh, the education of uh, the users and also the cities, especially. We could actually make this micromobility revolution or evolution, we can make it happen. Uh, and we can actually live with this for a long time. So, so one of the things you notice is that a lot of cities coming up with new policies and they're encouraging people to not drive cars even after the pandemic is over. They, they're encouraging people to, to be active, right? I, I think Vince, you can speak to that. Toronto actually have this uh, active TO type of movement where they're opening up the street and then they make the, the essentially center of the city bike friendly and scooter friendly. And, and all cities from big to small, they all start to face this uh, modality of uh, transportation, not to mention it's, it's fun and active. Uh, so, so in some way, I think uh, that's what COVID did to the industry, which is fundamentally, it changed people's mindset quite a bit. People uh, made it seem possible and then also they are sustainable. So that, that I would say, if I have to pick one, that's probably the foremost benefit coming out of COVID uh, crisis. Vince, probably you have something to add. <laughs> I mean, some of the best bike rides I've had have been during COVID where the roads have been shut down in Toronto and just opened up to 
bikes and pedestrians and riding along Lakeshore, I was getting, I was getting across the city really quickly. So yeah, that part has been awesome. And, and like you said, we've seen that trend around the world. Lots of cities are doing this. Lots of cities are dedicating more space to micromobility. COVID-19 has accelerated this. It's something that we thought was inevitable in the industry, but it's just happening so much faster. In terms of long-term impacts of the industry, like Tony, you said, people are less interested in taking public transit. They don't necessarily want to get into a ride share or hail a taxi. So they're looking for new models, new methods of getting around the city. Some long-term impacts we've seen are some of our operators are getting into long-term rentals. So maybe people don't necessarily want to just rent a scooter that they've seen on the street, which is fair um, because they don't know maybe who's used it. So some of our operators are renting out vehicles for seven days, 30 days. People can bring them home and feel a little bit more comfortable. We've built new features into the product to give operators a way to communicate more with their customers by providing announcements, sharing when they've last cleaned the vehicles, uh, making it really easy for their maintenance teams to uh, add notes internally. So we've tried to create more features and functionality to better support uh, what's going on with COVID-19. Yeah, just to add to that is is uh, our observation has also been uh, the industry or maybe the user behavior is also shifting towards, uh, I call them almost like quasi or quasi ownership model or maybe complete ownership model. In a sense, uh, once people start to look at the, the scooters uh, or, or bicycles for that matter, once they see them as a viable commuting uh, method, uh, they will start to look at the financials, right? And they look at, you know, the, the ROIs on their personal transportation. And very soon you will find that a lot of people will say, oh, this is actually quite expensive in terms of uh, rent out a scooter by minutes. I might as well just rent it for the whole day or a month. And then sometimes people just say, I just buy this for my Christmas present, right? So, so when you do the math, uh, it, it, it kind of almost resembles uh, the car ownership, uh, sort of the purchase, purchasing behavior where people will look at this and if they can afford it, they'll say, hey, you know, it makes sense for me just to buy them. Um, and then, But if I don't need, use it as frequent, then having a, a sort of rental model, or perhaps even daily rental is better than uh, a by-minute rental. Uh, so that sort of uh, uh, also helped shift a little bit on a lot of the, even the smaller operators, there's thinking about can we adapt our essentially business model to the sort of new user behavior. Uh, so that's why you actually see a lot of uh, sort of new way of running business popping up. Uh, and, and I'm sure it means you will see even more of that kind of customers of yours. I think personal ownership is really interesting. I still think one of the, there's a really big barrier though with personal ownership that I, Tony, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on. But if I were to like, if I were to buy a bike today, and something happens with my bike, like something breaks, I can maybe go online and find a way to fix it or buy the tools or there's dozens of bike shops around the city. But if I buy a scooter or the electronics, I probably, uh, sorry, if I go out and buy the scooter and something happens or breaks or whatever, I, I might be, I might have a harder time repairing it myself or finding someone who can actually repair it for me. So that's why I think the long-term rental model is, is, in the short term, probably going to be more successful. But I'd love to hear 
your thoughts or what is Segway doing to try and overcome that for personal ownership, some of those barriers? Since we have the theme of uh, collaboration, <laughs> the theme of the dis- discussion, uh, we we find this whole industry actually exam- exactly resemble the sort of the bicycle industry, where uh, you still need to go to the bicycle shop to tune up your bicycle once in a while, and you 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 need to repair. and And also the other thing is, uh, even though uh, these, especially our scooters, they're becoming smaller and com- more compact, and it's still a little bit easier to transport. If you just go to the the store and 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 pick it up from the store and put it in your car, as opposed to kind of you you ship it over uh, the internet, for example, because it's actually expensive to ship as well. So I, I totally see there's a a place. Um, it's almost a, a distribution channel or service network uh, where uh, they can function as sort of dual purpose, right? So a lot of the uh, we actually have people, uh, including bicycle shops and and. And, and even the sort of the rental place, they they also want to sell uh, our product. And uh, and meanwhile, and wherever you buy the product, typically you will probably bring bring them back for tuning and for for replacing tire and, and batteries or whatsoever. So so I actually see personally see this opportunity for even the smaller operators too that to have these guys sign up as a, a, a dealers of of OEMs, uh, not just for us, right? So it could be any 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 brands and by itself it's also a, a good business opportunity for the, especially for the small and bu- small and medium business ownership uh, because in in places like you know the city Toronto New York City and, and, and these big cities and one is there's so many the density is there there's a lot of users and, and users could use the, the scooters or bike or e-bikes and, and and two is that you know they, they are in these kind of business to begin with they retail they rent bikes they rent scooters um, so it'll be a nice add-on to their the existing business model, and and not not to mention that potentially you can also have these channels sell even uh, personal insurance, right? For for, for rides and uh, per rides or per time period. Um, so so I, I think definitely that's also a pain point. Once the ownership or semi ownership or leasing model start to take place, then you will need some sort of structure to service this because. If you compare this to the sort of the ride-sharing business, a typical um, ride-sharing business, uh, they actually have a fleet of, uh, uh, essentially they have a staff, right? And an and army of uh, technicians basically fixing their scooters and, and rebalancing them and whatnot. So in, in the case of longer term rental leasing uh, ownership model, it needs to be sort of distributed, right? And, and it has to be uh, specialized in certain area too. So we totally see that. I think particularly in Europe, we already see some uh, stores popping up that specialize in scooter and bicycle e-bike rentals and also retail at the same time and everything in one embodiment of the whole thing. And also it, it function as a retail center, if you will. So uh, we, we definitely think there's a, a room there for growth and especially for the smaller medium uh, enterprises as much as i love the bulkiness and the robustness of the segway max i do really love the foldability of my segway es2 so i i like to carry that around the city as much as i can that's right that, that's right that, that's actually something we find is kind of interesting almost like dichotomy of the sort of the, the scooter form factor in a sense that you have a, you know a elegant foldable compact scooters but because of that, your your trade off is you know it probably does not last as long 
you know, uh, cannot stand up to the abuse of vandalism, right? Compared to some the, the Mac scooters or even the sort of the our pro version of the the Max for for scooter sharing business. Um, and uh, and also the price point that they're different too. The, the sharing scooters they're much better built and they're with all this sort of shock absorption uh, and that kind of thing uh, as opposed to uh, the retail version. But you know, you don't use it as frequent, um, and and so it, it probably will will suffice as a personal device. So that's the dynamic we see is sort of polarization of sort of both form factors. So so both of them are quite popular <laughs> right now, but yeah, um, but they all have their own place. Yeah. So as we look ahead into 2021, uh, I want to start to unpack some of the. Uh, more specific ways that the COVID context and just other trends that were already happening in the industry that maybe were accelerated by COVID or are continuing at their own pace, how all of that is going to manifest next year. So again, as we look ahead into 2021, what have become the most successful business models in y'all's opinion for shared mobility? Go ahead and give us that overview. And if you want to get more specific, uh, do you imagine that a B2B approach is more favorable right now for operators, whether that's trying to get scooters to universities, corporate campuses, et cetera? Uh, or do you think there's going to be a surge among end users wanting to use scooters versus public transit, therefore motivating uh, some more B2C sales and, and strategies? Thoughts on all of that? So, I mean, we've seen a bigger shift in the B2B space with a lot of our partners Using our platform, it's it's really easy for an operator to launch in the public sphere at even at the same time as running an operations in the B2B space. And so many of our operators are, are doing both. Um, it's really been something that's kind of core to our product from the beginning. Uh, in terms of what's more successful, it's, I guess it's harder to gauge, right? Like if you're in the public space, the stakes are higher, but the reward is better as well, where you can potentially generate higher returns from your rides. And then also you have that kind of motivating factor of actually seeing your vehicles across the city as you walk to your office, which I've heard can be pretty rewarding. Uh, but we've also seen some really cool B2B models. I mentioned earlier food delivery, where some of our operators are leasing vehicles to actual food delivery, people who are doing the food delivery, um, and then some are doing it in partnership with the actual food delivery company. Others are focusing on the real estate market because we know that bike sharing, scooter sharing is a really fantastic amenity for real estate developers to give to their residents. It's environmentally friendly. You can get around the city uh, in a really fun way and it's affordable as part of kind of your condo fees or, or the additional fees that you pay to the developer. We have some operators who are just focused on the college or campus markets where they'll go out and just provide a really cool turnkey solution. Like they'll provide the Segway scooters, they'll provide the app, maybe even brand it for that location as well. And they can do that as one turnkey package. And then all the students get either discounted or free rentals. Other uh, models that we've seen in the B2B space, co-working spaces, some of our um, operators are focused on hotels. It's also another really interesting market in COVID times, we've seen some fluctuation there. You know, th th in terms of different locations and different se uh, settings, uh, we definitely see the same thing. Um, sometimes we, you know, Vince and us, we, we pitch to the same customer, right? We're we, we selling our product and also some other cloud backend service 
to bundle it with Joyride platform. So uh, we have seen a similar uh, trend. And, and also a lot of people branching out to different business model, right? So we just mentioned the, the longer term leasing model and different way of marketing it too, right? It's the people online marketing the product, um, but then also there's you know, a lot of offline marketing um, and partner with retail channels and whatnot. So definitely we will see the more uh, diversification of the, the business model and also the way, you know, the revenue uh, model is also evolving uh, as we speak. And also uh, just to add to that, there's some uh, sort of return of the sort of docked uh, scooter sharing as well, or the hybrid of the two. And I know uh, Vince, your platform has, uh, Joyride's platform also have uh, docking features, right? So we, we don't make docks ourselves, but we also work with other docking companies. The integration come into play is where, uh, when the customers, the operators want a solution, right? The cities basically say, I, I want a complete solution. I don't want just the scooters or just the software. I, I want everything included. And so that's the time, you know, when, when the collaboration actually, you know, is, is, is crucial in this case. And we actually see people doing, uh, uh, pretty much predominantly swapping batteries now for, for all the fleets. Uh, because that seems to be the sort of the uh, productivity uh, improvement uh, compared to the, the sort of the, the retail model where the, the battery is fixed, right? And also, they're even talking about potentially they are swappable across different companies. For example, some people essentially having these like battery banks for rent. And so that's something, you know, a lot of startup company are trying and, and ideas kind of going back and forth on these things. But the general theme is that um, it sort of leads to my sort of next point is that people are starting starting to leveraging new technology and the new features to make essentially the, the network smarter, right? So so if, if anything, the, the B2B business uh, is quite different from the B2C business is that it focused a lot more on efficiencies, on profitability, and and to to compliance to by the city. So in some way, um, you you see um, all these features popping up, and so we're seeing a lot more like smarts. And sometimes people we we exaggerate calling them artificial intelligence, but you know in reality it's just more sensors and more data, right? And and also more data driven decision makings on, in in terms of operations. So 2020, you will probably see a lot more essentially new technology being employed in the space, um, including uh, we'll be talking about this very soon, too, because we, this is sort of our bread and butter is we're continuing putting more features and new smarts into our device. And you probably see the, the T60, the robot scooters we had before. And literally, that's just the beginning of uh, making the, the scooters into robots, ultimately. So we, we see these sort of very unique application, like Vince mentioned, like food delivery, right? So so in the very beginning, it's going to be a person riding the, the scooters to deliver a pizza. And ultimately, you know, the scooter becomes smart enough and not only can just charge itself and dock itself, it can also deliver pizza for you. And that's definitely, you know, foreseeable in the next maybe two or three years. Um, so, so it's quite exciting time when you see, you know, both the, the business model is evolving very rapidly uh, and also the technology which kind of try to serve and and make the business model more profitable and it's also coming up very quickly and because leveraging the all the advancement in technology you know in in in, in terms of semiconductors and and even batteries te battery technology 
and 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 bunch of other things uh, and cloud-based uh, uh, processing, right? So, so all these things uh, made 2020 probably even more exciting than than 2020 or even even you know the two two years, the inception years of the micro mobility space. Yeah, we're really excited for next year because, like you mentioned, Tony, I think collaboration is it's not even just collaboration between different companies like i i really value the collaboration between joyride and segway but even just what we're seeing is like operators on our platform will eventually be able to by virtue of being using a platform whether it's segway or joyride you'll be able to gain more insights on how to be more successful like for example we know what a really successful operator looks like and we know the trends of an underperforming operator. So what we're trying to do is use the insights that we're learning, the data that we're collecting from different operations all around the world about what you need to do to become more successful. We're trying to democratize the space. And so you don't necessarily need to go out and raise a billion, a trillion dollars of capital to go and buy a bunch of vehicles you can actually be really successful. You can be profitable and compete with some of these really big players by using the power of the network, by using the data that Segway and Joyride are collecting to better inform your operations, to better lower the total cost of ownership of your vehicles by making you really good at support, supporting your customers by providing really good payment solutions, by providing uh, really good features, innovative features within the product, whether it's uh, interesting mapping and, and routing, or maybe it's through other business models like long-term deliver, uh, long-term rental, or maybe it's through really interesting promotions or memberships, or really the, the sky's the limit, I think, within the software. But the goal is collaborating with other partners and using the power of the network to become a better operator in your market. That's where I think some of the trends are going for 2021. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right. Now, let's speak a little more concretely to this collaborative energy that we're feeling in the industry. Can you give us some context as to why you both feel like 2021 will be a year of multi-layered collaboration for the mobility industry, both at the technology level, at the intercompany level, et cetera, et cetera? Maybe uh, it's sort of related to a topic before is that uh, the industry is, uh, has grown to a more you know, sort of sophisticated industry as opposed to everybody's a startup and they're trying to figure out on their own place, right? So you, we start to see a lot of the sort of the operation become more specialized and people focus on what they do the best. So in the early days of so-called completely vertically integrated model, like, you know, the early days of Berla Lime, that has uh, quite evolved quite a bit. So, so almost people see the need to focus at the same time they need to collaborate, right? So uh, in, in the very beginning, the, the perception is that, oh, it's only a scooter and you can just, anybody can, you know, let's say go to China, find a factory, bring them over and, and put an IoT box and you're in business and you can raise a gazillion dollars uh, to run uh, to, to, to IPO, right? Uh, so, so that essentially never happened. Now, maybe it's sort of uh, the, the COVID even put some reality uh, to this. 
Uh, and so, so now kind of people come back to earth and saying, you know, let me, let's focus on operation. Let's focus on efficiencies. Right. And also including the venture capital guys is saying, oh, now we need to see some return on investment. If, even if you look at a company like Uber and those guys, and they're it's kind of returning to their rationals. Right. And basically want, uh, they want to make sure they, they invest in the key business model there, taxi and whatnot. So, so we see the very similar thing here is that, you know, not everybody wants to be, become the next, you know, Uber, right? And then, so uh, in some way, they are a lot more focused on the actual result and focus on the relationship with the city and, and whatnot. Back to this sort of collaboration question, basically, when you f- start to focus, you, you will have to have somebody to do what they are specialized in, right? So that's why you see that we are... Segway, as a company, we start to focus a lot more on the product innovations and also the core technology and, and also the sort of the, the way we connect with everybody else. Um, and, and I'll let Vince to speak for, for Joyride too, but that's essentially the trend uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing is that the industry is getting a little more complex too, right? Because in, in this, we talk about people, there's even insurance companies start to insure uh, just a micro mobility industry now because they see a business opportunity there. But it's, it's so unique that only a very few brave or knowledgeable guys or gutsy guys, they want to jump in. So, um, so, but these guys want to partner with like us or, or Joyride as well because we're kind of part of the ecosystem, right? I think that ecosystem it will become even more specialized. Uh, therefore, it costs even more need for collaboration. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've seen is unless you go out and raise those giant rounds of venture capital, it's really hard to do everything alone. It's really hard to be a software company, a hardware company, and an operations company all rolled up into one. The most successful operators that we've seen are the ones who focus solely on the operations and they put all their energy into that while using all the best tools on the market to better inform what they're doing and help them reach profitability or become even more profitable. But in terms of collaboration, what we're seeing, why I think 2021 is going to be really interesting is because cities are getting smarter about what micromobility is like. They've seen a lot of data. They've seen a lot of examples. And now a lot of cities are actually asking for the real-time data from the operators as part of the ongoing contract or commitment in that city, which is really interesting. We're seeing insurance companies get smarter too, like Tony was saying, some who specialize in micromobility. And now using things like the Joyride Alliance, you can work with your insurance company and instead of having to create all these manual reports about how many vehicles you have on the road, how many reading service, you can do all of that automatically. And maybe even in the future, I don't know, maybe Tony, you can speak to this, but Maybe cities are recommending operators use Segway vehicles because they have data on them or potentially in the future, they'll have data saying Segway is actually a really safe and trusted vehicle and has less accidents than maybe some other brands. But that's something with data and collaboration that can happen in the future that couldn't have happened a couple of years ago because it was too complicated or the tools didn't exist. Right. Uh, and I was also seeing uh, some situation where uh, start people start to putting more emphasis on sort of data analysis um, and also even AI, um, like, for example, the navigation of the product and also 
making sure the product is the scooters are parked uh, not on the sidewalk uh, but parked properly locked up and even checking helmets so so these all these requ- requires new technology right so somebody specialized in you know ai helmet recognition <laughs> which, which is such thing it probably behooves us to work with these guys and to uh, to leverage their expertise in machine vision and whatnot. And so you will, you'll probably see even more these like sort of granular, more smaller granularity type of uh, collaborations happens in the industry, multiple layers too. Yeah. Now, how do you see that collaborative approach impacting some of the business model decisions and strategies that we were mentioning earlier from, uh, you know, B2B approaches to B2C approaches? Do you see them as linked? Yes, definitely. I think, Tony, what you mentioned about Helmet ID verification, that's a really salient example. Other examples are around innovations in the hardware space. You mentioned battery swapping, for example. That's that's something that a lot of operators almost ex- come to expect now, whether it's in e-bikes or whether it's in scooters. For them to be able to actually run a proper B2B solution, they, they can't necessarily replace the entire vehicle every time a vehicle needs to get charged. Docking stations. This is something that you also touched on. It's almost becoming a requirement in some of these B2B models like hotels, real estate, where the vehicles need to be charged around the clock and readily available. And operators don't necessarily have the ability to go out and swap all these vehicles in the space. So collaboration in that sense is super important. I tend to agree with that. And also from business model point of view or impact on the industry uh, point of view, uh, I think the sort of uh, VC-backed, big brand, uh, scooter-sharing business, kind of parachuting in different cities, um, that sort of launch model will be only sort of one one type of model. And so you're, you're seeing a lot more um, from other sides, like like the, the real estate business, uh, sometimes uh, even like the food franchise, for example, they, they probably want to deliver their own food, for example. I will actually see some of these sort of uh, interesting model coming up as well. So, and I, I think uh, the traditional sharing model will be sort of just a, sort of one way of doing it. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, now that brands are starting to launch their own restaurants with cloud kitchens and they have their own apps to do it, you could see a world where they also have their own delivery service to do it as well. Yeah. And they're building brands just around delivery of their own product instead of using third parties to do it. All right. So if we look at software and hardware, what are some of the top trends you predict for 2021 regarding said software and hardware? Do you think that the big opportunities for any of those hardware and software integrations are going to be in the shared mobility industry next year? Do you think that some of the big tech that has been... um, powering micromobility, you know, in previous years is going to find more use cases elsewhere instead. What are some of your thoughts there and how does it intersect with uh, the mobility industry? One of the coolest things I've seen has still been the at the last micromobility conference, the Segways demonstration of the autonomous scooter. So still really excited for that. Uh, I, th- I think I mentioned before, in fact, Vincent, you, you, you mentioned before, is actually hardware is actually really hard <laughs> to, 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 to make. Uh, so that's one of the reasons you see, um, you know, even we demonstrated this uh, a year ago, 
it only until you know coming year we will start to real, really pilot this in in the field. Uh, so you, you will you will see this uh, essentially uh, launching um, in a few cities. We we haven't announced we are not ready to announce this yet, but we will pilot this uh, in a few cities. Um, and uh, and also the uh, the components of that. It's that sometimes it doesn't have to be the whole. Uh, autonomous driving robot can be useful. Some of the sort of the, the vision sensors and also some of the AI side of the uh, both software and hardware can be used for for even the existing uh, fleet. So um, so definitely, we are very excited that we'll, we'll bring some of these uh, AI features to to our operators or to to the cities. And in terms of sort of more on the software platform side, I think. Probably, Vince, you guys probably have closer knowledge to to actually what's happening in, in terms of software trend. You might have some things coming out for 2021. I mean, collaboration is really key. It's not that we just collaborate with manufacturers and different and integrate with new vehicles. Tony, you touched on docking stations, huge trend that we're, that we're seeing for 2021. Lots of really cool docking station solutions but yeah, on the software side, one of the things that some of our operators are asking us a lot about is ID verification. In some markets, cities are requiring that only certain ages can ride micromobility. And whether or not you you agree or disagree with that, the reality is it's just a requirement in some markets. And so Joyride didn't we're not specialists in ID verification, so we've had to partner with the experts in that space who can scan an ID in real time so a user doesn't have to wait. They could just download the app, register, pull out their ID out of their wallet, and get riding really quickly. And so it doesn't create a lot of friction. Other software uh, companies that we've had to partner with, or other software companies that we are partnering with are, whether it's around predictability, different analysis about rebalancing vehicles, routing. Uh, we've got a really cool collaboration coming up in the routing space for people who want who want directions on how to get to a destination using routing designed for cyclists and other micromobility users. And we're collaborating with a lot of other partners in the space to add more features, more functionality into our platform through our API, which is really strengthening the toolkit that we give to entrepreneurs who can go and compete head to head. So Joyride doesn't have to build every single feature in the space, but we're working with some really cool software companies who are really innovative and thinking about the features of the future, who they can really quickly add that functionality and giving that access to our operators in a really easy way. Yeah, that's that's also an interesting add-on uh, I can have is, you know, we we work with uh, Joyride in terms of giving the API to uh, Joyride's platform to have access to our vehicles. And then we actually have more feature capabilities uh, we are building uh, on the vehicle side or product side, where we will feed probably even more data to to the platform. So. So your user or maybe your third-party data analyst could study the data, for example, right? In terms of the vehicle health, uh, the, the the vehicle, uh, the sort of the tra- trajectory or uh, essentially the, the path, uh, and and also um, even get to the level of uh, autonomous driving features that uh, we will provide set of APIs to 
to some of the autonomous driving features as well. Eventually, some of the customer can actually use it to to kind of autonomously or remote uh, control the fleet. Uh, so they can actually benefit from some of these sort of uh, advancement we have with right now starting with the big operators, but eventually we'll open up to, to all, essentially all the fleets. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And the more data that Segway is able to open up, the better tools that we can provide for our operators. So it's really collaboration is key there. So something else I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on is uh, how you think the industry is going to shape up for new players wanting to get into the space. So for you know a, a fresh company uh, breaking into mobility, what do you think launching a new shared mobility business will look like in the year ahead? And uh, what do you think will have to be considered from both the hardware and software standpoint and just any other considerations that new operators perhaps haven't considered? With the Joyride Alliance, we're trying to make it really easy for new operators to get into this space. They know that they can trust Segway with the vehicles that they get. We can provide them with insurance that's really affordable, but also the best in the industry. So they're not going to be left hanging if if an accident ever occurs, knock on wood. And also give them the tools and the knowledge and the resources in this space to help them become profitable. So we think it's going to be even getting to market. It's going to be possible to get to market even faster. And also what we're seeing is Segway is coming out with some really impressive and innovative hardware faster than ever before. And I'm really excited to see operators being able to get access to those vehicles really quickly too. Um, So I think that's going to be one of the biggest hurdles solved in the next year. I have to add that uh, in addition to the the secret sauce of uh, running a a successful startup business uh, is actually getting a Segway first. (laughs) That's my shameless (laughs) plug. Joking aside, uh, in fact, you you, you really want to focus on almost total cost of ownership from from a fleet management point of view, because it's not just the the vehicle itself uh, that's the cheapest you can get, right? So you're running a business here. So your business is is dependent on that. Uh, so it needs to be reliable. And also you need to have uh, essentially people available if you need to troubleshoot and, and asking asking questions. And also, you know, Vince mentioned this, it, it needs to provide you the sort of the data service behind it. It's, it's not just the, the ride. It's just not, it's not the two wheels and, and the motor in, in that. It's actually a lot more complicated than that, right? So in order to run successful and profitable business, uh, you, you need to think sort of coherently as as a system, not not a not a just a, a product. I think uh, with the tools um, Joyride provided on their platform, and also the reliable vehicles, um, and also a lot of the know hows right by by working with us, basically it will it will increase the odds of uh, successful fleet operations. And there's other things you need to take care of, which you know I think the local. Uh, operators will have the advantage in especially in terms of like sort of relationship with the city locally right and know the business and know how to market to the local business and these are the things that you know that uh, any company needs to think through that you know how can you be successful in your local market and how can you compete against all these conglomerates coming in and in your city or in your country, in, in this case, and how do you defend yourself, right? So the, these are the things that's more co- sort of comprehensive questions you need to address those. These are sort of, sort of uh, I don't see they are 
unsurmountable problems. But you you really have to start out have to have to have a very coherent start out strategy before you, you jump in the in the business. And of, of course, being creative helps too, right? Because we we start seeing. You know, a lot of people coming up with their own way of marketing the product and even different business model that suits their own own need. Just the younger startup now are becoming a lot more savvy uh, compared to two or three years ago when, when the industry just started. And there's actually a lot more guidance, a lot more data to, to base down. So I think uh, I wish all this sort of the new startup uh, very good luck. But stick with Segway and Joyride. <laughs> No, I mean, you're totally right. There's so many times that we tell operators, look, in this, it's not always true in the world, but sometimes in this space, you get what you pay for. If you think, you know, I could go out and buy, I, I see this, this manufacturer who's, you know, I've never heard of the name before, but they've got, you know, they've got scooters that, that kind of look like they could be ridden and, but they're like 200 bucks or something like that. And you decide to buy a couple hundred of them. Don't expect them to work as well as like Lime's in-house design scooter, right? Like don't expect the IoT yeah. to always work. Don't expect that the lifetime of those vehicles is, is going to be 12 to 18 months. You should really look at the total cost of ownership and investing in the vehicles is the smartest thing that you can do. Yep. What would be a reason why an established Segway or Joyride would want to partner with or enable new operators in the in the space? And then also, why would a new operator in the space want to collaborate with or partner with a larger player beyond just, you know, sort of the basic understanding that you might have more access or more resources? What are the long-term strategies there that you think encourage collaboration? For us, we like to think of ourselves as the Shopify for micromobility. By working with us, you get access to the best players in the industry to really quick way in a trusted way. So you know that you're going to get the best hardware, you can get the best insurance, and you're going to get the best software in the space to help you become profitable. And you're also going to be part of that Joyride community, that network of operators who you will be able to learn from and potentially ensure that your business excels faster and better than any of those other bigger established players. As Tony said, the local operators tend to have this local knowledge where they can come into the space a lot faster than maybe some of the other bigger players. They can get into the market faster, but that they still need an established hardware and software player to work with, which is why going with Joyride and Segway is kind of a no-brainer. For us, it's, it's slightly different in the sense that uh, we uh, we are much bigger nowadays. We, we just went public just over a month ago. Uh, on Shanghai Stock Exchange, right? So, so we, we're valued at seven billion dollar uh, on the on, on the market, and uh, so so we're no longer a, a small company. So, so obviously we are looking uh, cover a wide spectrum of the the industry, including the the, the big players, um, and all the way to small fleet operators to the retail consumers. We're a very open company to begin with. So if you've noticed in the very beginning, we're collaborating with other big operators, right? And we're now we're, we actually have this, this discovery program where we, we're targeting uh, actually the smaller operators as well. And of course, retail, we're actually doing quite well in terms of distribute our retail product to, to all the you know, existing big box retailers too. Um, so so in some way, in our approach is probably more uh, related to how we build up our brand 
and, and either through partnership or, or through um, sort of developing new technology and, and sort of to make that the brand worthy that that name. So in some way, collaboration is still a, a key in even for our success. And also we think uh, among all the small operators, eventually they will be uh, a black horse or uh, sort of essentially the, we actually see some some good uh, operators who started very small, but they are actually getting to the size that they they start to acquire other fleet operators and probably even go IPO soon. Uh, so, so we see those uh, potential horse we we will be betting on. So that's also the reason we we kind of we're we're very open minded. We we partner with many different uh, candidates. Um, so and so, Vince had this Shopify analogy. We we see uh, Vince Joyride and almost as a, a value added reseller as well and and it's, it's a sort of our special channel right to to sell our product so the same philosophy applies to almost like all product line in, in our case and then you asked the question about perhaps the, the strategy for the startup companies uh i would say that uh, probably the the most important thing is you need to you know as a startup company probably companies to more uh be more creative in terms of how they run their business and Perhaps in, in addition to Segway and, and, and Joyride and partner with some, especially city, for example, and also partner with some companies like, you know, perhaps uh, food delivery companies, right? Not, not, not as a uh, sort of an independent brand, but maybe even uh, provide service to, to these guys uh, or like real estate companies and, and where you can work out a, a deal that sort of a mutual benefit. Uh, so the collaboration, it, it might be different from sort of the traditional type uh, in, in terms of distribution or whatnot, but and anything creative uh, can can be really cool. And there was a, uh, one conference I went to, uh, it was the city of uh, uh, Oakland, and they were talking about they have this city library. Uh, this is your library of scooters or library of bicycles they, they rent it to their customers. So as from an operator point of view, uh, if you work, you collaborate with some of these sort of like progressive cities, uh, it could be turning into a very uh, good business to uh, to work with. Um, probably less competition, but also you have a very long-term relationship and you do some good to your communities. And so, so these are sort of uh, uh, ideas we can throw around and probably can spend hours and hours and talk about these. Well, in order to... Uh keep things a little concise and not go for another few hours. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the conversation here with one more question. Uh, before we do that, just want to give a big thanks to both of y'all for all of the uh, great insights that you've shared so far. I feel like we're going to need to do a few follow-ups just digging into this next question and seeing how it pans out. But really, I want to wrap up the podcast by learning a bit more about the partnership and collaboration between Segway and Joyride Alliance. So I'm interested in uh, hearing how your two companies are coming together and how this collaboration sets some precedent for the sort of industry collaborations that you imagine are possible and fruitful and um, expected going into 2021. We have been working with Joyride for quite a long time. And this started when we, when we had a lot of uh, customers come to us and saying, can we have something really out of the box and so we can buy your scooters and kind of uh, hit the ground running with some sort of uh, app and whatnot. So uh, we actually happen to have this sort of a similar idea where we, we want to 
package the essentially the out of the box experience scooters to our customers. Naturally, a lot of customer came from even from Joyride side, and then from us, uh, uh, we sometimes also uh, bring some leads to Joyride. So it's actually kind of natural partnership. Uh, progressing um, until today. And so it's kind of, uh, uh, if you look at the model today, essentially Joyride is our sort of preferred uh, value-added partner, right? So so uh, we actually work very closely on, on, until now. Means you probably can describe better than me on this. Look, we've been working together for a while now. Joyride was the first platform to really launch another operator on using uh, a platform as a mobile app and backend system. And that was with Segway vehicles. I remember our team alongside Segway engineers essentially hacking these vehicles to get them to work in a shared public environment. So that that goes a little bit far back. But I would say that our partnership with Segway shows how seamlessly software and hardware can sync together. And you can really expect many more ways for the software to integrate with other vehicles that are coming out, whether it's, Tony, I know you've got different tons of different scooters coming out, mopeds, bikes, other wild, creative uh, forms of transportation. But what's going to happen in the future is as a joyride operator, you're going to be able to order your Segway vehicles directly from the dashboard really quickly and also get your spare parts even start to resell older vehicles to other operators, buy used vehicles from other operators, help with maintenance, get videos from Segway presented to you when you know you have to do perform uh, any sort of maintenance tasks on those vehicles. So everything is going to be seamless together in one platform using real-time data from that's really powerful Segway API. We're going to be able to give you all the tools in the Joyride Toolkit be able to become that profitable business and be able to compete with all the big players in the industry. Yeah. But look out for more in the future. And we will absolutely be doing that. And we're going to have to do some future conversations unpacking how this partnership uh, continues to impact the industry moving into 2021. Till then, I think that does it for our conversation today on The Last Mile. Big thanks to both of our guests. Again, we've been chatting with Tony Ho, Vice President of Global Business Development for Segway, and Vince Safani, CEO and founder of Joyride Alliance. Vince, if folks want to find out more about Joyride, some of the work that y'all are doing, uh, how can they learn more? or get in touch? They can reach us at hi at joyride.city and our website is joyride.city. Love it. And Tony, if folks want to find out more about some of the content we've been talking about today or learn more about the Joyride collaboration, where can they go on Segway's site to learn more as well? Yeah, segway.com or b2b.segway.com. B2b.com, b2b.segway.com is the sort of the newly site we put up and it's focused uh, covering the whole base of uh, B2B site. Love it. All right, Tony, Vince, thanks again to both of you and looking forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of The Last Mile, a Segway podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you head to our website, segway.com. For more information on solutions and services, like Tony said, make sure you go to b2b.segway.com and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.